Today's podcast is brought to you by Helion Technologies, the largest IT service provider exclusively serving the unique needs of automobile and heavy truck dealers for more than two decades. To learn more about Helion, please visit us online at heliontechnologies.com. Welcome to Helion Bite Size, where auto and heavy truck dealers can get short, digestible pieces of IT and cybersecurity insight and advice. I'm your host, Jeff Mason. As cybercrime continues to get worse, the need for cyber liability insurance continues to grow. This has led to a hardening of the cyber liability insurance market, and this is making it increasingly difficult for dealers to secure proper coverage at a reasonable rate. With me today, as usual, is our IT and cybersecurity guru, Eric Nakbar, founder and president of Helion Technologies. Hey, Eric. Today, I would love to talk about a burning hot topic with dealers, cyber liability insurance. It might not sound all that that interesting, but uh, it's it's costing dealers a lot of money and it's um, it's getting more and more difficult for dealers to secure the cyber liability insurance policy and the rates are just going through the roof. And I think that you know to some extent I can ex- I can understand, why rates are increasing like they are. I mean, the incidence and severity of, of cyber, cyber crime is, you know, just continues to increase. And now from, from what I read, it on average is about a month of downtime once you've experienced a ransomware attack. And cyber insurance rates from 2001 to now have, have risen almost 200%. So it's definitely understandable why dealers are interested in a in a topic that would otherwise bore most people? Uh, what are you hearing from from dealers as it relates to cyber liability insurance? Well, it's it's definitely on their minds at this point. Um, it you know this used to be the kind of thing where dealers would would get one of these checklists. Maybe they'd fill it out themselves or have somebody in accounting or they'd throw it over to us. I've talked to people that have said all different kinds of things and. It didn't really seem to matter, right? They they check you know check off the boxes and send in the checklist, and uh, they get coverage. Now there obviously is a lot of focus on what's on these checklists, because what's happening is the insurance carriers, like you said, uh, you know they paid out a ton of claims. I don't think they were anticipating the the, the volume and the dollar amounts that they were going to be paying out in claims, and so they're offering less coverage for more money with higher deductibles. We had one large organization say that they went from 5 million in coverage for like 25,000 a year to 3 million in coverage for $250,000 a year with a $250,000 deductible. And we were talking about, should they self-insure? Because that's what we're seeing out there. The thing that the cyber insurers are requiring now, and, and understandably, is that dealers have to demonstrate very clearly that they have best practices in place. So they're not really looking for, you know, checking a box of, do you have backups? They are really drilling into what are the core fundamental elements of having a good backup, right? So they want to know that you truly have backups and they're verified. So if you have a ransomware attack, um, you have the actual tools in place to identify the attackers, to get them out of the system, to get yourself uh, back in business. So, we're only seeing more cybercrime. 
They're hitting dealers. We've been involved in a lot of different attack cleanups. They do take a long time to clean up, and it's costing insurers a ton of money, and it's costing dealers a ton of money, too, because even when you engage insurance, your business is still disrupted. You still have the reputation issues. So fundamentally, yes, we're talking about insurance, but the reality is, great, you have insurance. You want to protect yourself from these attackers. So I know I know for a while, and I don't know, maybe this is changing a little bit, and tell me what, what you think, but I think when when the whole cybercrime thing first started to become a real issue for for dealers and for businesses businesses in general i think that one of the default cyber defenses that a lot of businesses opted for was simply to buy insurance right instead of spending money to bolster their technical cyber defenses they just went out and bought a cyber liability insurance policy because it, i mean it, because it used to be um i mean because the rates were were lower and demand for cyber liability insurance i imagine is one major reason for why all of this stuff is happening but is there anything else that 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 um you've come across as as far as why this is happening now well i mean the fundamental reason is is that dealers of all sizes single point stores multi-store groups 50 store groups are under constant attack and the cyber attackers are successful right they're actually able to compromise the systems fairly easily uh and true I, over the years Dealers said to me frequently, hey, we're not a target. We're going to fly under the radar. They're going after these big companies. I'm just going to buy insurance. And nobody really knew what that meant at that point, right? They weren't seeing these attacks. You know, they could buy insurance. It was relatively cheap. Well, now the whole game has changed, right? Dealers are getting attacked all the time. Insurance carriers are paying out massive amounts in, you know, to, to restore these systems and business disruption. So they're looking at these things. They're not binding coverage or they're binding it for, you know, very high premiums. Um, so with the losses they have, with how easy it is to attack and, and you know, successfully attack dealers, uh, you know, it, the whole game has changed as far as insurance. It's not just it's certainly not a cyber defense, right? And that's that's what everyone's learning is this is not the way you protect your business from cyber attackers by throwing out a few dollars on insurance. Right. I guess the uh, the run on claims wasn't something that cyber insurance had cyber insurers had planned for. In fact, I I read that there um, that they had a record loss uh, a record uh, loss ratio of uh, 67% as they paid out higher than, than expected um, insurance claims. So I guess it's, it's all to be expected. So what's your advice for dealers? Well, it, I mean, it's pretty simple. First of all, of course, understand that cyber insurance is not a cyber defense. You know, that is kind of when, when the catastrophe happens, then sure, you want something, you know, a backstop, but that is not how you defend your system at all. Now, if you look at the questions that insurance carriers are asking in order to verify that you have the right cyber protection measures in place, right? Those questions match what the FTC is saying broadly you have to have in place, right? So you have to have 
a security operations center that monitors your system 24-7. You have to have multi-factor authentication to ensure to, to secure your passwords. You have to encrypt and back up data. You have to have strong passwords. You have to train your employees to spot cyber attacks and you have to test them. You have to make sure that you patch software and operating systems to close off any vulnerabilities that the attackers identify. Uh, you have to have lifecycle management in place for all of your equipment. You know, the, the notion of we're just going to run it until it dies. I mean, that just it, it, that does not work in today's environment. You're going to have a completely vulnerable system and you have to have access management. You have to control who can get on the system administratively, what roles people have, what data they're allowed to access. And none of this stuff is a particularly heavy lift. It's not some insane thing that dealers have to go through to get there, but you have to do these different activities. And then the last thing after all of that is, yes, have some checklists, make sure you you know can check off the boxes, but truly it's about defending yourself and not having to engage the checklists to prove to people that you have what you're supposed to have. So, so do me a favor, and um, that was a great list of, of things, but there are, there are three things in particular that I sort of think of as these foundational IT elements that every business needs to take care of. That maybe just a, a little more definition or clarity from you around these three things would, would be valuable. Talk a little bit about why, what, um, first, what is and why these are so important. Patch management right? I mean, applying security patches. Why is that so critical? Also linked to that is device lifecycle management. Why is that so important? And why, if you don't do those things like you should, why is that such a major vulnerability? Is that something that cyber criminals look for when they're looking to attack an organization? So talk a little bit about those two things. And then um, when we talk about access management, I'm assuming that you mean administrative access management as it relates to things like Active Directory. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that and some of the issues that you find that dealers have? I mean, first of all, there's probably a, a, a ton of dealers out there that don't even have Active Directory or know what it is. So explain, explain a little bit about those three things, patch management, device lifecycle management, and access management, you know, implementation of Active Directory, all that. Yeah. Glad to. So the thing you have to understand about software and devices that, that are in your computer system, right? PCs and tablets and maybe software you're running, right? It could be industry-specific DMS software. It could be tech tools. Uh, it could just be your Internet Explorer. There are a lot of different software products and operating systems that are run in a dealership and a lot of different devices, right? Copiers and so forth printers. And what the cyber criminals are doing and have been doing is they identify vulnerabilities in devices and software, and then they exploit those vulnerabilities. So for example, and this is kind of an interesting one that we're seeing on some insurance applications on the questionnaires, is cyber criminals have identified that a lot of copy machines so you don't think of this as a computer, that copy machines, when, when you make a copy or you scan something in via the copy machine, actually store an image of that on a hard drive. 
and mm. then print it out for you. And that those images remain stored on a hard drive that then the data is not encrypted. So it's not scrambled and made unreadable. If the, if the attackers simply connect to that device, there probably isn't a password on it or it's, you know, one, two, three, four, five or password. They can actually access, you know, probably customer applications, right? Um, deal jackets, lots of things that have personally identifiable information. So if you don't have a strategy to keep up on equipment as simple as a copier or a printer or wireless access points that allow you know people to connect to the network. If you're not keeping up on what the current technology is, either by buying the newer technology or closing those loopholes, right? Either patching a software vulnerability, um, you know, or updating something so that the, the copier can now have encryption, right? If you're not managing the life cycle of your software or your devices, you certainly, not probably, you certainly have vulnerabilities that, that are well known to the attackers. And so when they get onto a computer, so typically more than 90% of the time an employee clicks on an email, it brings the attackers onto the computer, and they immediately start scanning your computer systems, right, looking for those types of things. So now they're inside, they're behind the firewalls, they're able to look at everything that's on the computer network and identify things like that. So that's where patch management, lifecycle management are key. Now, as far as security and passwords and access management, there's really two pieces right there that you have to be thinking about. On the end user side, what we're looking to do to secure the network is we're looking for multi-factor authentication to, to protect internet-based accounts. So one of the great things to compromise is an end user's mailbox because we're probably sending things unencrypted. We might have passwords stored in there. Um, there's lots of things in there. So you want to secure those. But the, the ultimate thing the attackers are going for are the keys to the kingdom, which is administrative access. So it's essential that you have multi-factor authentication, right? So we're all familiar with that. We've got a username and a password, and then you know, you're getting a separate text message or you have to approve it via an app, right? We all have that in our lives now. That is essential for protecting the administrative accounts on the system, because once they get those, then they can really get it a lot. So all three of those are absolutely critical in keeping the attackers out of the system, and even if they get in the system, keep them from getting further into the system. All right, great, great information. Talk um, just a little bit more about access management and specifically um, the implementation of Active Directory. And if you can, give an example of how important that is to an organization. Okay, so Active Directory allows you to centrally control the computers on a computer system. So let's just say you don't have an Active Directory environment, right? The way that typically looks is each computer typically has an account that's called administrator and it's got a password and then, you know, might have an account called user, right? That typical people log in with, or it might have a few people set up on it. So you can't centrally control who can get on the computers. Well, typically the way that setup works is there's an administrator account on every computer and that may or may not be the one that people are logging in with day to day to use it. And typically it has the same password, right? If you have a hundred computers, you're not going to set up a different password for each one for the administrator. You have one so you can write it down and remember it. 
probably on the monitor, right? So when an attacker gets in and compromises one of the computers, and let's say even you have monitoring on the system and you can see all of the computers, the challenge is they compromise that local administrative password, and now they can just go into every other computer as the administrator. The problem is if you're not centrally managing all of those computers with Active Directory, right? With Active Directory, there's one administrator across all of those computers. If you lock that administrator account out or change the password, now you're locked out of all of the computers. Well, in this scenario, each computer holds its own administrator account. So trying to lock them all out is impossible. Um, so if you don't have foundational pieces in place for access control management, which Active Directory is the Microsoft technology used to do that, you are going to be in a very bad position when the attackers come in. And that's the kind of thing that dealers that don't have that. And we encounter a lot of dealerships, large organizations that don't have Active Directory. They don't realize the risk that lies there and, and what is likely going to happen when the attackers gain access to the system. Ah, that was helpful. Great example of, of the, um, the technical uh, foundation that needs to be put into place in order to have a uh, a solid cyber defense. So going forward, what should dealers expect for the future regarding cyber insurance? Well, I think that the future of cyber insurance is going to be, is going to be very interesting. Um, I, I, I read, and I find this a fascinating notion um, that they may get to the point where they implement what, what we would almost say is, is real time uh, underwriting where they're monitoring the systems that you have in place and are able to identify what your risk level is, right? Based on what they're seeing on the system. Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, so that mm -hmm. makes sense that they'd be going there. Um, you know, things that are a one snapshot in time, like a pen test where you once, maybe a year or once every six months, simulate an attack on the system and see what the results are, right? The other 364 days, things are changing, right? So if once a year, the, the uh, carriers have an opportunity to ask you a question uh, about, what, you know, or a series of questions about your system, you know, it's, it's obsolete, basically, almost immediately after you filled it out. I mean, obviously, some of the core pieces, but it's constantly changing. So this effective cyber defense and lowering your risk, which is ultimately what the insurance carriers are looking at, it requires continuous change, continuous monitoring, continuous improvement. So I think these notions of, you know, a once a year pen test or a six month vulnerability scan, I think ultimately those, those notions are on their way out, that that is an antiquated way of thinking about cyber defenses. You know, the, the current and modern and cutting edge, which is where we need to be, because that's where the cyber attackers are with their attacks, is continuously monitoring the system. And I think that's where everything is going to end up, because you need to be able to continuously change and evolve what's happening. Yeah, I mean, the, the cyber criminals, um, they are uh, big proponents of performance management, and they are constantly uh, retooling what it is that they do and, and the tactics and the approaches that they have. So, um, you know, uh, cyber liability and insurance underwriters aren't dumb. And that's where this notion of continuous underwriting um, comes into play. So um, I think there's going to be some 
some more significant changes probably on the horizon as it relates to that. Uh, so, so since re- regulatory compliance, cyber li- liability risk assessments basically look at cybersecurity best practices like the uh, Center for Internet Security, CIS, their, um, their 20 controls framework or the NIST framework. Is it safe to assume that if you were to comply with something like FTC, that that, that, that would mean that the cyber liability insurance underwriters would look at you favorably and also um, uh, you know, provide you with lower insurance rates? I mean, com- does compliance necessarily, compliance with a regular, uh, a regulatory um, issue like, you know, FTC, does that equal uh, lower insurance rates? Well, I, I can't speak to what insurers are doing and how they derive their rates. I, I, I know they're based on risk. And so that is going to be, you know, very specific to each dealership. Uh, what I can tell you is, is that the focus, and I would encourage you to keep your focus on protecting your organization from cyber attackers. That's the goal. So, I, I, you know, I am not a let's check this checklist of boxes and that's the goal. Let's make sure we have meaningful cyber defenses that keep these attackers out. And the byproduct of that is likely, you know, or hopefully lower premiums and keeping, you know, the FTC from, from stepping into our businesses and, you know, pulling it apart. The goal is keep the cyber attackers out first and foremost, because that's where it gets really scary when they're able to run rampant in the system. So that's ultimately what we're looking to protect from. Um, and, and you know what? It's possible to protect from these cyber attackers. You take sound practices, you implement them in your dealership. You don't have to spend ridiculous amounts of money on it, but just have a good cybersecurity plan, a good implementation, continue to look at it and update it, and, and ultimately things like insurance and FTC become much less of a concern. So just to reiterate, make sure that I understand w- exactly what you said, is, um, is the best thing to do, the best path, is that your goal and objective should be to implement cybersecurity best practices to, um, to best defend against the cyber criminal. If you do that as a, as a positive consequence, uh, if you do that, you will then comply with FTC and most likely be able to see your um, uh, cyber liability insurance rates go down. But first and foremost, the objective should be protect your dealership, not the other way around. Right? Correct. Good. Once again, very valuable. Thanks, man. See you next time. All right. Well, that's it for today. I hope you found the discussion informative. See you next time.